Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Mickey Blog Podcast. I am your host, Jared, alongside Christy and Jesse. We are so excited for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, of course, just our fourth episode on the Mickey Blog Podcast, <laughs> but it's a very special episode because we have two former Disney Imagineers on this episode, and we're going to dive into a wonderful interview with both of them. We'll get into that in a second. Right off the bat, though, Christy, Jesse, how are we doing today? How is your guys' weeks going? Uh, and are you excited for this episode? I'm going to guess that yes. you are. Yes, um, yeah. everything's going great. Uh, I'm very excited. Um, yeah, just I love the history of Disney and everything about Imagineering. I wish there was an attraction about Imagineering, so I'm very excited. Yeah, same. Yeah, I'm doing yeah. really good this week. Um, so excited about this episode. I'm so excited to have you both on this show, and I really can't wait to see what you guys have to say. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's jump right into it. So let's first introduce who we have on our show yeah. today. Um, before we go any further, our first guest is Ryan Harmon, who is the president and chief creative officer at Zeitgeist Design and Production. Zeitgeist. Uh, Zeitgeist. I apologize <laughs> for that. German. Zeitgeist. <laughs> Uh, uh, since 1987, Ryan Harmon has been helping to make memories for millions of people around the world. Harmon is a respected producer, creative director, and writer. And Harmon is a former Disney Imagineer who has held senior creative positions at multiple companies around the globe. Ryan is also a member of the Producers Guild of America and the Magic Castle and currently serves on the advisory panel for the Rida Hub in Saudi Arabia. Did I pronounce that one right? Riyadh. 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 Yeah. Apologies for that. Uh, so, so regardless, Ryan, thank you so much for joining the show. Yes. Sure. Welcome. Thank you so much for Thank you, guys. Let me, let me just say, it's, it's great having friends that are members of the Producers Guild because Ryan gets screeners. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. I don't know yeah. if you're allowed to say, but he'll occasionally pass one to me. <laughs> I'm surprised you chose that over the Magic Castle because that's a, a fun thing. Well, that's a good one, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah well, thank you guys for guests, having me here. Of course. Of course. Of course. And our other guest, Joe Lanzicero. I pronounced that correctly. Close right? enough. Lanzicero. <laughs> Lanzicero. <laughs> It's almost like a musical note. It is. I love yeah. that last name, yeah. by the way. Like Figaro. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe has uh, Joe spent over 35 years as a Disney Imagineer and is responsible for over nine billion in built projects, which is an incredible accomplishment. We're oh, going to yeah. get all into that. Such projects include Mickey's Toontown at Disneyland, Toy Story Land, Mystic Point, and Grizzly Gulch at Hong Kong Disneyland, and dozens of classic Disney rides, shows, attractions across the parks, and aboard Disney cruise ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also studied at Cal Arts alongside Tim Burton, John Lasseter, Brad Bird, and other luminaries of animation and film before becoming a Disney animator in the early 1980s. Today is a designer, illustrator, art director, and creative director of the highest caliber. So thank you so much for joining yes, the show today, you. Joe. We're very excited yes. to speak with you. So whenever you mention all of my classmates from CalArts, it makes me feel incredibly insignificant. <laughs> I was going to oh say gosh. Tim Burton. We could do a whole episode about that. I, oh, yeah. I yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got great stories, too. I bet. Yep. <laughs> 
so right off the bat, I know I just sort of, um, before I mispronounce both your last name and the company you work for, uh, I, <laughs> I, you know, what's ironic about this is this just speaks about how impressive you two are, by the way. Our listeners are very excited to, you know, to listen to this episode, I have no doubt. Um, but, but in general, I can promise you that Christy, Jesse, and I have been very excited yeah. to record this. <laughs> and I can't even tell you how many times that I personally uh practice the name of that company <laughs> and joe's last name yeah. and i still messed up both of them that's so okay. truly i don't know if that's nerves or what but we're gonna move on and we're gonna get past that but uh either way uh thank you both for oh, joining great. us and let's jump right into it because this is so excited to be able to speak to two former imagineers so can okay. you just briefly talk about um you know i know that i sort of did brief introductions, um, but can you guys get into a little bit more, um, you know, speak for yourselves here about what your work was like for the Walt Disney Company? When did you start working for the company and, and how long did you work there? Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. Um, I, strangely enough, grew up as a little kid who loved creating experiences. I would do them for the kids in the neighborhood in people's dark garages. I would do it for my brothers in my bedroom. And it's just this weird yeah. DNA thing. Uh, and I've always been a writer, literally since I was a little kid, starting a book of the month club that I would sell to my grandparents <laughs> for 10 cents a month. Uh, so I've kind of juggled this creative and entrepreneurial brain mm -hmm. and had the opportunity in my first year of college, I was um, taking an actors and acting class in, as part of my film major and screenwriting emphasis and got an opportunity to intern at a TV production company where I met somebody who knew a gentleman named George Head, who sadly just passed away about a week and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And it was George, uh, another very brilliant Disney Imagineer, who invited me over to Walt's secret, you know, company that was Wed Enterprises. Oh, I <laughs> And I got to go there and there's no signs anywhere. And uh, he greeted me and he apologized. He didn't have time for lunch, but he walked me around and you guys would have like, you know, wet your pants. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah, yes. the Epcot model was there oh, in yeah. all its glory, right? The scale model of the entire park and yeah. spaceship Earth. And, and then we went to another area and the Splash Mountain model was there before they'd even announced it. Wow. And I was the kid that would run to Disneyland and go to the preview center and yes. look at Tony Baxter's model of Discovery Bay and all that. Wow. So, you know, I came in and the heavens opened up and the angels sang. Wow. And I thought that for the oh first time God. in my life, I had found like my home and yeah. my people oh. and, uh, and got that. an opportunity at 20 years old wow. to, to become a part time, the only part time and youngest Imagineer at that time wow. and uh, struggled for a couple of years because I wasn't allowed to have a beer yeah. or, to, you know, attend the uh, company event because I wasn't a real employee yet. Mm. So that went on, but I got a chance to meet everybody, to work on the Disney MGM Studios. And I just, it was almost like Dorothy, who always said, I want to go home. I would say, I want to be a writer. Because yeah. that's what wow. I'd done. I'd won contests in school. I was already published. It was just something that came very easy to me, as Joe knows. 
And, um, and so they finally put me in the writing department. I wrote for the company relations group doing press releases and company bios. And then they put me on the creative side on a number of project teams. And I got to work on uh, turning the Carousel Theater at Disneyland into a crash spaceship and <laughs> pitching it to Michael Jackson. Wow. And Ugh. all kinds of yeah, really fun projects. so cool. Most of which went nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, I uh, love that, though. Yeah. But uh, Randy Bright gave me a chance to write some new lyrics for the American Adventure mm. song. And uh, Marty Scalar asked me to rewrite a book called The Art of the Themed Show, which was kind of like the secret sauce. I love Marty. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Marty was great. Yeah. So it was an amazing opportunity. I graduated college, got to be a writer, and wrote for a number of projects. And then when Disneyland Paris opened, um, my Disney career sadly ended the saddest day of my life, <laughs> May 1992, being oh. escorted out of there when it's like, guys, I know everything about this place. I've written articles, yeah. I know history, you know, all this stuff. And uh, it took a number of years before I was invited back uh, as a consultant and got to work on the cruise ships and got to work on um, Shanghai Disneyland. But during the time I was there originally in the early 90s, I did meet this guy, Joe, and uh, we were, <laughs> we got to work a little bit together on Mickey's Toontown, Mickey's Toontown. Um, and, and on some That's other awesome. attractions. So, uh, yeah. so we kind of knew each other. And then when I was back, you know, I saw him a couple of times, but we never really, really connected until um, he left about, what, six years ago or so. Yeah. So and we'll, we'll wow. get to that story in a so while. That's sort of my Disney story, but just, you know, I could go on forever about what it was like back then, getting to fly first class everywhere, yeah. being able to just borrow a car. You'd yeah. go into the warehouse and say, hey, I need a car to go to Disneyland. They're like, sure, here you go. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you, <laughs> ever, did you ever have moments where you stopped and you were like, I'm around people. I kind of always yeah. have looked like you probably had to check yourself, you know, and be like, I'm here. With Marty no. Scalar, it's crazy. Yeah, because what inspired me, I think, was um, my dad was a member of the Magic Kingdom Club mm -hmm. here in L.A., which if you worked for a certain company or something, you got to be a member. But what that meant was when you went to Disneyland or any of the parks, instead of buying the ticket book, you got a pass that just let you go on everything as much as you want. Oh, wow. Wow. So, um, so as a member, they mailed us all this stuff about Epcot. And I remember going through these brochures about Spaceship Earth yeah. and the Living Seas and seeing photographs of model makers and creative directors and going, that's what I want to be. And literally five years later, awesome. after Epcot opened, there I was. Yeah, working. I can't imagine. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, and there was, no, there was no like IDs or anything. Yeah. So literally... <laughs> You could go, I would go knock on Claude Coates door and say, oh hey God. Claude, do you have five minutes? And he'd sit me down and pull out, you know, concepts for what was it called? Big Rock Candy Mountain and yep. tell me about the way he showed it to Walt or, you yeah. know, talk to Herb Ryman or Sam McKim or any of these. And that speaks to them that they always took the time to talk to a younger yeah. Imagineer up and coming. And they were, I mean, they're historic. So. Yeah, 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 they were very generous. But that's the vibe there yeah. back then. It was, you already made it over the hurdle to get in. So we're all kind of family. Yeah, and, that's great. You know, it was, it was very open and allowed the creativity to flow. And mm -hmm. um, 
not like that anymore. No. So, uh, <laughs> and we're, we're definitely going to get I into am. that. Uh, <laughs> and I will say, uh, Christy, first of all, very proud of you for still breeding after listening to all that. I had to check, <laughs> I had to check she's, myself. She's like the biggest like, Disney fan, uh, possibly out yes, of all three yes. of us uh, in terms well, like of history the history side of the coin. History, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. met at an opening of Runaway Railway at, in Walt Disney World. I met Kevin Rafferty, and I... Lost uh, it. I used yeah. to work with Kevin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Joe, um, right into to you. I, I know that you. Um, we we already spoke about this briefly before the interview about how long you worked with Disney. Ryan already mentioned that, but can you talk about when you first started with Disney, how long you were there, and and even some of the projects you worked on? Because I can guarantee you, our <laughs> listeners would love to hear about yeah, that. Absolutely. Sure. Well, like I'm gonna I'm gonna take a cue from Ryan. I'm just gonna go back a little ways because I grew up in Burbank, California, almost in the shadows of the Disney studio. I also grew up in a time when every Sunday night Uncle Walt would come Mm. on TV and he was building this new park in Anaheim and he would, you know, showcase, you know, what they were going to have there. and, and, And I always, as far back as I can remember, I loved to draw. My mother had drawings that I did when I think when I was three or three or four years old. Um, so there was never there was never really a choice. I never really had to make a choice. What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. I grew up loving to draw. I grew up loving Disney, and then <laughs> my father was in the arcade business, mm. and so we had like the coolest garage I in bet. the neighborhood. We had we had um, shooting galleries and um, rock the little you know rocking horses that you saw in front of the grocery stores and all that crazy stuff. And in fact, quick little aside, my dad, um, his company back in the in the fifties uh, in L.A. They were an arc, they were doing arcade work and they were one of the subcontractors. And he installed the Davy Crockett arcade at Disneyland. Wow! And he and he always told me he would tell my mom actually would tell me the story that. My dad would come back from, you know, working out at the site in Anaheim and said, now, remember, my, my mom and my dad were from New York, mm-hmm. and they were of the generation that their only reference for amusement parks was growing up in New York, Coney, Coney Island. Yeah, yeah right. Which yeah. was, you know, merry-go-rounds and Ferris wheels and roller coasters. And my dad would come home, and my mom would go, you know, my mom was saying, Rosalie, Rosalie, that Disney park, I tell you, it's going to fail. Yeah. There's not a roller coaster inside. Oh he goes, there's not a Ferris wheel inside. Wow. But, I, but I think, you know, it spoke to, you know, the genius of Walt that he saw beyond all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really, he was a storyteller. And mm-hmm. I think that's what appealed to me and, you know, all those people that I worked with and um, actually went to school with at um, – at Cal Arts, you know, we all love to draw, but we also love the Disney storytelling, mm-hmm. and that that it always connected you emotionally to the experience. So yeah, I was very fortunate. Um, you know, I actually got to you know be taught by the guys that worked directly with Walt. Now, I was ten when Walt passed away, so I never got to meet him. But um, you know, my teachers were, you know, Ward Kimball mm-hmm. and. and Mark Davis and Frank and Ollie and um, and like when we got to Imagineering, Claude Coates, I got to actually do one of my first projects when I got to Imagineering was working on, um, they were going to bring back the swan boats at oh, Walt Disney. Yeah. Yeah. And we were going to, uh, and it was going to be themed after Fantasia. And so I actually worked with, with Claude on this concept for a Fantasia garden kind of boat ride through the, um, you know, what were the canals around the castle. 
Um, that never happened, but the seeds were planted and it was yeah. actually years later, we did Fantasia Gardens Miniature Golf oh, and yeah. a lot of the, the drawings and things that I had done with Claude actually made their way into the Fantasia Gardens. So yeah, oh, um, so, cool. mm. so I started out as an animator, I worked at animation at Disney. This was back when we, we still drew with a pencil. And you had on the pad. <laughs> yeah. And rolled the drawings uh, and did that for um, almost eight years. I, I By the time I left, I was uh, an, a directing animator. But um, just to keep this short, through a series of circumstances, um, Actually, I was introduced to by a friend to Tony Baxter mm -hmm. and had a dinner with Tony Baxter and Tony, and Tony said, you know, one of the things that we're kind of missing right now, we're, you know, we're doing all these projects, he goes, you know, we need that Mark Davis kind of animation storytelling. Mm -hmm. and, um, and things were not going so great for me in animation. At least I didn't care so much for some of the films we were making. Now, my time, some might say my timing was bad because I left right when they were starting the, to be a little murder. The Renaissance <laughs> era, you left right before. I mean, the Renaissance. Yeah. But I never looked back because I got so many great opportunities once I did get to, once I did get to yeah. Imagineering. Um, and it was just, you know, I, I left, uh, you know, feature animation was, at that time it had moved off the lot and was literally across the street from Imagineering. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it was a Friday afternoon. I packed up my box Monday morning. I walked across the street. Wow. And uh, they put me, <laughs> I didn't even have an office. Uh, they had uh, in the model shop and they set me down next to this crazy guy that had a long earring and had uh, all these <laughs> and heads no and more. <laughs> And uh, so next to me was Joe Rohde and he was working on the now defunct uh, Adventurers Club, oh, which was so great. Yes. And, and so we were just a bunch, you know, we were all there in the model shop. I ultimately finally got a real office, but um, yeah, and didn't just got a lot of great opportunities. You know, they asked me to because of my my background in animation. I got to do Mickey's Toontown. Um, I got to do Splash Mountain in Tokyo, which was really like a whole mm -hmm. land. It's not wow. just the, the ride. I was there two weeks ago. It's amazing. Wow, oh, <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> and wow. um, yeah, just kept getting great opportunities. Work on Tokyo Disney Sea. Uh, I headed up two of the the lands for Tokyo Disney Sea, um, did those miniature golf courses, mm -hmm. worked on the first cruise ships, then got to work, as I said later on, on the uh, on the dream and the fantasy, both of which I'm very proud of. And then at one point I was in charge of both the parks in Tokyo and the parks in Hong Kong, or the park in Hong Kong. Um, yeah, got to do the, the expansion in Hong Kong, so lot, lots of great opportunities. but. Always, you know, I would say, and, and Ryan will test, we always stood on the shoulders of giants. Mm. You know, it's really a collaborative, a very, the most collaborative art form. Yeah. You know, probably, and probably even more so than um, animation. You know, I think the thing I took from animation was the understanding of story, the understanding of character, how to infuse things with character, and of course, all I learned about drawing that I was able to apply mm -hmm. later on. Um, so I think that's like kind of like the thread, like I said early on through all the yeah. Disney's is this this ability to tell a story regardless of the medium, whether it's on a cruise ship, on a film, you know, on a ride, in a restaurant even, you know, tell a story that connects people emotionally on mm. a deeper level. And um, I mean, now they, and I think that's why there's, they love IP because <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the heavy lifting is done for you yeah. when you're using IP because people, they've seen the movie, they've heard the music, 
you know, so they're already connected in some way to the experience. Yeah. But I, a lot of the work that like Ryan and I do now, I mean, we love to challenge ourselves. You know, we'll come up, you know, we come up with the backstory, we'll come up with characters, whatever, if we're not working with a known IP, because I think, you know, that's, that's really the secret sauce in what we do, you know, mm -hmm. is, is finding that thing that makes people feel connected to the experience. Yeah. But what's interesting is that, so I like grew, I'm a Disney 90s kid, and I didn't have that IP. So my whole connection to Disney World and why I bring my children and all these things is because of the 90s. So like I saw Lion King, all those movies in theaters, and they weren't necessarily, I remember the year Voyage yeah. of the Little Mermaid opened up at, it was MGM then. Um, so yeah. that was there. But you had a chance to, as a child, fall in love with these other characters that I didn't mind they weren't in movies. And I got to visit them twice a year and pirates before the movie, uh, even Splash Mountain. And that's why I think, too, like, you be, you love these characters. They're part of your family. And then when you uh, have children, they're a part. I mean, my oldest loves Br'er Rabbit. And it's like in October, I said to him, this is our last time writing it, most likely. And to him, it's just this beloved character that he has as a stuffed animal. And so, like, we connect to characters outside of IP, which I think is important to remember also. Well, I, I'm just going to say, I'll let Ryan talk. His, he has the luckiest two kids in the world. Yeah, you, you want Ryan as a dad yeah. because <laughs> this year alone, they've been to how many Disney parks, Ryan? Six. Wow. <laughs> so cool. And yeah. only, only oh few domestically. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. Living, living the yeah. life. I know. Now, yeah, now, uh, Ryan, yeah. I know that we uh, we already spoke a little bit about, you know, your guys' experience and everything, but uh, if you guys were to look back on, on everything that you've worked on and, and done, whether it be directly through Disney or even if something that you did with Disney influenced what you did outside of Disney, uh, what, what do you find that you're the most proud of or, or what do you find that, you know, you really think about the most? I know... Um, you know, Joe's worked on uh, many different projects from different eras and everything. But for you specifically, Ryan, what what do you think you think about the most when you look back on everything? Well, I first have to say that Joe and I have had very different luck in this industry over the decades because Joe has been in the right place at the right time and had projects that were funded and actually got to build, mm. like you said, over nine billion US dollars in very beloved and successful parks and attractions. I, on and, the other and, hand. And, and, Ryan, and Ryan's right. I mean, it, it really, I, I mean, there was a lot of very, very talented people, more talented than myself, but a lot of it was just the timing, you know, mm. that happened. And a lot of it was because of my projects were in, in, um, in Japan you know, where the Disney company was not spending their money, but you know, that was the Orient Land mm. Company's money. But yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of it, because there were many Imagineers who spent years and years and years working on stuff and never got anything built. So yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I was just, I got to say, I'm looking back, it was just a lot of, a lot of good timing. It was good timing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that was a thing. So when I, <laughs> when I was there, we spent, we spent probably a year on that carousel theater show and I designed a whole robot act. I wrote a song for it. We pitched it, like I said, to Michael Jackson and Katzenberg and uh, Eisner and Wells and all that. And I thought, wow, they're, you know, we're working on this every day. And then they told me it got axed. 
Wow. And I'm like, what? And they said, oh yeah, you know, the cost wow. estimate came back at like 90 million and that's too much because it's an existing facility and they don't want to spend that much. So we're done. And it's wow. like, wow. what do you mean we're done? <laughs> like, right, like that was your closure. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so little did I know that foreshadowed pretty much my career. So I've, <laughs> I'm the guy who's like conceived, designed, you know, many entire theme parks, new lands, great new attractions, dark rides, you know, I've scripted things, yeah. I've written lyrics, all that, and very few things have come to fruition, not because they went with somebody else, but literally they all just died on the wow. vine, usually yeah. because of money. Mm. So, um, so wow. to answer your question, Jared, I think my my the favorite thing that i felt that i worked on that really brought it all together was a project a few years ago 2015 16 in indonesia and there is a client out there that's a media company and they had a site up in the mountains this beautiful location and they wanted to build from scratch an exciting world-class theme park and you know, we you guys were just talking about this IP thing. Mm. You know, I, I think what Joe and I learned from the masters is that there are great human stories to tell, which our friend Tom Morris often says, you know, mm -hmm. shrinking, going to outer space, uh, you know, yeah. having a dream. There's things we all understand and love. Yeah. And so just like a good IP, you have a built-in idea of what does it mean to go to outer space? Mm -hmm. You know, or what would it be like yeah. to shrink to the size of a molecule? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right? So so the, those are the kind of stories I think um, we really love to tell. And this park was about magic in the physical manifestation of this ice crystal and the whole idea that ice canos existed mm. that became volcanoes, but there was one left because the area of Indonesia is made up of thousands of islands because it's a big volcanic area. Right. And so there was this magic island that had this ice cano and this magic was used in different societies that made up the lands of the park. And it was just amazing. The artwork we did, the stories, the rides, it was, uh, wow, it was very cool. one of my favorite things I ever did. There's artwork on it online, you can see uh, on Theme Park X. I know there's a bunch. And sadly, you know, we became the victim of another client that was just sort of ignorant to the process, had ulterior motives financially, and it's hmm. still never been built. I know they've done some additional work on it, but it still never happened. And and that was sad because uh, there are very few people in this industry that probably on one hand you can name who kind of are the auteurs of an entire park. Mm. You might say Walt Disney with Disneyland, Joe Rohde with Animal, Animal Kingdom. Kingdom. You know, I, I don't even know. There's a couple other handful of people, but um, I thought this was going to be my park and mm. it didn't happen. So. <laughs> well, you know, it's, I, I got to say, you know, since leaving Disney, um, I've experienced a lot of the, the same. And I think the lesson I've learned, you know, unless you're one of the big boys like Disney mm. or Universal mm. that have huge amounts of capital, um, there's a lot of big, you know, big desires and big ideas out there. And I mean, Ryan and I have literally done dozens and dozens of concepts for 
parks and dark rides and, and you name it, parades and, and uh, museums. Um, and yep. for various reasons, um, they, they get to a certain point and either stall or don't get built. And it's not unique to us. It's not unique to Zeitgeist. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of the, the world. So, you know, um, so I always say, and even back at Disney, even though I got a lot of stuff built, you know, it's the journey and not the destination. Mm, yes. You've got to have fun along the way. And this is a bit of advice for you young people. <laughs> don't don't set your your sights on the goal of getting it built. Mm -hmm. right. You know, I, I, I remember towards the end of my, my time at Disney, I, I would have some of these young people come into my office and go, Joe, how do I become a vice president? <laughs> And I said, I, that, you know what? That's a really good question because I never set out to be a vice right. president. Yeah. Right. That right. was never my, my goal was never to become a vice president of Walt Disney Imaginary. My goal was always to have fun designing stuff mm -hmm. with other people. Yes. Yeah. You know? And I think if you do that, you're going to enjoy your life more, mm -hmm. you know, and then, then if the universe rewards you by letting it get built, that's just icing on the cake. Right. But you've yeah. had a great time along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we get yeah, to I've, travel all over the place, and when we do, I make sure we always have some time for fun. We go research a theme park or something. We go shopping. We go to a lot of great meals and drink a little too much and <laughs> enjoy it because someone else, frankly, is paying for us to be there, and we're probably yeah. getting paid to be there. Mm -hmm. So when else is that going to happen? When else are you going to get to go to right. Bali or France or whatever on someone else's dime, you have to enjoy it. Yeah, and yeah. you know, we've all learned the hard way because that project may never get built. So make friends, have fun, see the world. You right, know, right. As much as you can. Uh, and that makes well, the journey worthwhile. Yeah. Well, I think it's also interesting, you know, um, getting both of your guys' perspective on this because, <clears throat> you know, Ryan, I know that you talked about how you've been on the, the other side of the coin as to Joe in terms of design and, designing and working so hard on projects that maybe don't come to fruition. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's actually a, a valuable, you know, side of the coin for, for us to learn mm -hmm. about and for our listeners to hear about because, you know, and we'll jump into this into the second half of this episode about, you know, your guys' advice to, to young ones who want to be Imagineers because my wife, for example, uh, who I just got married to a few months ago. She literally, uh, thank you, I appreciate it. She, ever since I knew her, so I've known my wife since we were 13. Wow. Uh, that's a story for another time. <laughs> but ever since I met her in middle school, she literally talked about being a Disney Imagineer. That's all she ever wanted to do. And it's ironic because I thought that was like a unique thing. Mm -hmm. And now that I work in the Disney media world, it's there's so many people who want to be Disney Imagineers. It's like the Mecca. It's like the goal for yeah. so many young kids who watch an animated film. So I guess my point that uh, I'm trying to make here and my my next question for you guys is when you guys look at a, at a young person, especially, and I'd love to hear both of your guys' perspectives on this, when you look at a young person who's just got those starry eyes before they're... Uh, not going to say heart's been broken, but before they've, jaded, they've had jaded. to, we'll use to the word jaded. Jaded, yeah. jaded, jaded's a better yeah. word. But the point is when you, when you look at, uh, you know, a young one who, who wants to, to be an Imagineer, what sort of advice would you give someone like that? Um, you know, from both of your guys' perspective. Yeah. You want to go, Joe? No, you can go first. <laughs> um, I would, 
I would explain to them that the world is not what it used to be. Yes. Um, you know, in the 60s, 70s, even 80s, to some degree, being an Imagineer was a really rare thing. They used to let us know, you know, the joke at Imagineering was, if you don't like your job, there's 20 other people mm -hmm. waiting outside to get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So therefore, we don't have to pay you a lot because you get movie screenings and passes to the park yeah. and you know, yeah. <laughs> little pins and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, so you know, it's uh, for me too. It was this you know golden trophy I wanted, but uh, it's changed dramatically. Mm -hmm. And as things, every layoff Disney has had has sprung up a number of companies that do what they did as Imagineers. So when Epcot opened a lot of major firms that are still around uh, popped up all over the LA area. The same thing happened when Paris opened. So you don't have to go to be an Imagineer to fulfill your dreams and desires of designing and creating amazing experiences for people. Mm -hmm. And um, if you look just in recent years, it's sad to say, but Disney has let go pretty mm -hmm. much all the great people yes. that have yeah. that have done you know all the great work if if bob Iger calls me tomorrow and says ryan you've been doing this 35 years i want you to take over imagineering and bring the magic back i would bring back you know tw two dozen amazing people who yeah. have built uh, you know all these great things because that's where the experience is and they they yeah. know what they're doing and they've proven it and and that's where the talent is. And today's people, I feel like I've worked with a lot of younger people. Some are amazing. Some have gone to school to be Imagineers. They've taken classes, which is mm -hmm. good. But, but when Joe and I were there, we came from other fields. You know, the great yeah. people, Joe and I do a Zoom cast called Spirit of the Time, which you guys <laughs> should all check out. But, um, you know, in listening to everybody's life stories, so many people were in theater, you know, working on sets or lighting mm -hmm. or dealing with audio and video or writing scripts. I mean, you came from learning how to entertain an audience. And that art is kind of lost when you're sitting in a classroom or reading a book about the right. history of engineering. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. You're not going to do that. So, right. so my advice to younger people, to cut myself short, is really, don't think that Disney is the be all and end all because Universal has been doing some amazing things. Mm, and, they have. Uh, and there's parks in Europe. I just came back from Puy de Faux over the summer. Blew my mind. Uh, Europa Park, Efteling, um, parks in Asia. I mean, uh, there's a thing I went to in Japan last week called Team Lab. Um, there's just what I think is better than mm. what has been doing and sadly again if you look at some of the recent disney projects like the spider-man ride at california adventure yeah you're like what is happening here? i know yeah. Just, yeah. i have lots disney. of opinions i guess yeah <laughs> and the other thing is disney you know what i think joe and i lament uh, as imagineers at you know in recent years and a lot of our friends they used to get to start with that proverbial blank sheet of paper mm -hmm. and create something amazing like Joe and I still get to do working for outside clients. But the mandate at Disney in recent years is everything has to be based on a movie or TV show. Mm -hmm. And so it's all kind of designed for you. All right, we're going to start in Arendelle, then we're going to go yeah. to the castle, and then we're going to see the snowman. And then, right. you know, yep. it's, it's already done. I don't want to work on that. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> So, 
So I'd say look elsewhere, look at other things and take your talent uh, into other worlds, retail, restaurants, resorts, mm. education, healthcare. There's so many other aspects of life that would benefit from creative people and people that really understand experience. Right. Yeah, yeah you know, a yeah, couple of things you said, Ryan, really sparked my thinking about the, your, your question, Jared, uh, on advice to young people. Um, first, you know, you, you said, Ryan, about, you know, there are now universities, mm -hmm. you know, many of which I have spoken at, you know, at SCAD and mm -hmm. uh, at Ringling, you know, that have programs, you know, that you go to the program, you're going to come out the other end, a theme park designer. Um, I think what was <laughs> tricky and was, and was, was actually very, was one of my biggest challenges towards the end of my career at Disney um, and I'll, it'll all tie together in a moment, was trying to con remind the executives that it's a prototype business. Mm -hmm. That everything you do in the theme park world, even if it's, quote, been done before, if you're doing the second Splash Mountain or you're doing, you know, uh, a new park in Shanghai that has many of the same kind of rides, everything is still a prototype. And in most cases, it's never been done before or it's never been done that way before. Mm -hmm. uh, so it really takes a kind of um, a, a big thinking approach to understanding that. And I think part of why there's been a kind of a revolving door of a lot of executives at Disney is that they run, they run, you know, they, they bang their head against the wall because they want to figure out they want to make it like you're building a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. I want to know, you know, there's going to be 12 parts in here. Yeah. It's Take this many yeah, days. Yeah. To do it. Reality is, it's art. Mm. There's a lot of art in in what we do, you know. Mm -hmm. And art is messy, and art is not predictable sometimes. Mm. I mean, and that's not to say we're not responsible to budgets and to schedules. You have to have that, but you got also have to understand that most of the time, what you're working on has never been done right. before. So that's why it's a little crazy when I think about these these university classes or these people that think if I study this thing, I'll be able to be an Imagineer. And, and what Ryan said a while ago, and one of the things that I really loved about Imagineering was the fact that you had this, this melting pot of talents that many which came from the theater, some from the architectural world, some from the retail world, mm -hmm. some from the film world, like myself, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think the the people that were most successful were those that quickly understood that it was about entertainment. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, our job is ultimately, people are going to put their money down mm -hmm. because they want to be entertained. They want to have a great yeah. time. They want to laugh. Yeah. They want to cry. They want to share this experience with their family. So you got to remember first and foremost that you are an entertainer. Mm -hmm. You're there to entertain the, them. Yep. But then that amazing interaction between all those different disciplines, you know, that you had writers, you know, like, you know, that came in and had had strong ideas, you know, based around understanding of how a script works, how character development works. You had great architects who understood, you know, how how a building is supposed to function and how you work within the building. Landscape architects who, right. you know, how to place trees. So it was this amazing combination of all these different talents and a management. You mentioned Marty Scalar mm. earlier. I mean, Marty was my my biggest champion, um, always supported me, as he did for so many others at Imagineering. 
because he understood so much of what I, I'm just talking about. He understood the um, the prototypical nature of what we did. He understood that it was a little sloppy and messy. You know, he understood that um, there were always going to be executives, mm -hmm. you know, that didn't understand yeah. it and that he would often run interference for for you. So um, my, my advice, I mean, just kind of sum this all up and not ramble on for too long. My advice, you know, just be good at whatever you do, you know, be a great writer, be a great, you know, be a great architect, mm -hmm. be a great, um, you know, painter, whatever it is, and, um, and be able to apply that, you know, in a big kind of a big thinking way to what, whatever it is that you're, you're working on and understanding that you're always going to be part of this bigger machine right. of people yeah. that get right. done. And really yeah. to tap in, I think too, like with what you guys are saying, you're, you were both born storytellers. You love to draw, you love to write. And so kids are naturally, there's things they're naturally good at from the beginning. So to tap yeah. into those and it's, uh, it's hard. You can't teach someone to have an imagination. So I think tapping into your natural abilities and making that work for you is, will also bring it back like the love of Disney and what they're doing. And I think that'll put a lot more love into it than what's currently there, <laughs> I should say. Yeah, developing, that's a really good point, yeah. Christy, because today I, I watch my kids sit there and stare at screens. Oh, that upsets yeah. me tremendously. I, can, I know. Because when I was a kid and I didn't have someone to play with, I would go out and yes. make up my own games. I'd mm -hmm. take a ball and come up with new rules. I used to right. play this thing roof ball in my house or i'd go ride my bike for yep, hours yep. Explore. so now kids are not being given the opportunity to develop their imaginations right and they're always being stimulated with media and i'm just very concerned about the future it's good for joe and i because yeah. we're gonna be like the only ones who still have imagination yeah. but i think that's how imagineering has changed too i i i won't mention names but there's some big Imagineers who um, are on social media as much as it seems like they're, they should be doing their Imagineering things. And it's like that has become such an element of the job oh. now that I wow. feel like um, it's just a whole different ball game now. It's so different yeah. with social media and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'd say the people who are doing their jobs are busy working and yeah. don't have time. Right, right. <laughs> well, and uh, to to jump into that and jump into the to the more second half of this podcast, I did want to you know touch upon how Disney has changed you know from from your guys' perspective. I mean, you know, both of you guys have your own experience both with the company and also working outside of the company. So I mean, that's your own personal perspective on the topic. But but beyond that I, I would love to hear what you guys have to say in terms of your opinions on on how how the company has changed over the years and and where we stand today uh you know going forward yeah i mean uh, my experience like i said is much shorter than joe's there i think when when we were there together late 80s early 90s it was maybe the best time in the company's history because yeah. it was yeah. the disney decade they mm -hmm. were doing so many fun things there was so many people there and there was still enough of the old wed group and the old wed ways yeah. uh, in place and then uh, after paris opened things changed i think after wells passed away mm -hmm. and eisner, eisner changed yeah and then when eisner left it 
you know, became about buying things. And with Bob uh, Chapek, it was about squeezing everything. Yes. And consumers <laughs> feel it, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think for me, it, just looking now from afar, the emphasis has changed from creating these compelling, amazing places and experiences that people mm -hmm. want to go to and instead focusing on how can we spend less doing that and squeeze more out of them, which I think is doomed to failure at some point mm -hmm. because or somebody else is going to take the mantle and run with it uh, and do it the way Disney used to do it. But um, the emphasis on IP, great, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's great to some degree, but I think Disney should continue doing the big thunders and the pirates yes. and the and yep. things that are just based on human stories. Mm -hmm. Well, ironically, you know, and I'd love to hear Joe's opinion yeah. on this too, but ironically, I did just want to mention, like, for example, my favorite Disney ride is Pirates. Yeah. Uh, and as is, by the way, many, many, many people. people. Yeah. 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 And and if people aren't aware, one of the most successful now IPs mm. or franchises in the history of cinema. Right came from yes. the Pirates ride originally. Yeah. So yes, Johnny Depp and those films are great, but the films don't happen without the ride. So I do think it's interesting from the flip side perspective mm. where it's very possible to come up with original franchises, films and yeah. stuff and IPs that come directly from the actual ride and the attraction itself, as opposed to the opposite, where you're building constant new attractions based off of films and yeah. and, and all and that. I when, we, I don't when I go with my kids, so they're, they're either once and seven and nine. So when they go, we talk about doing Haunted Mansion, Big Thunder, a Pirates now, obviously, but like, they're not like, oh, I want to go on Frozen. I want to go on right. you know, in right. Epcot. We want to do the land. I mean, that is so nostalgic. And Spaceship Earth, yeah. it's, they like the other rides, but they do love the original. Uh, that's you great know, to my, hear. Last time yeah. in October, my seven-year-old, we got off Haunted Mansion, and he goes, Mom, do you think a ghost is really going to follow us home? And I <laughs> want to if I, I wish I could have, like, a, the, the doll that says hurry back. I wish I could have that for my house. Um, yeah. We're big fans. But when he said that, I was like, it's amazing because these kids, these families still want that original yeah. experience for sure. Right. And, and yeah. I think that's what our mantra is at Zeitgeist is to continue the, the way that we thought as Imagineers and create yep. these yep. really awesome experiences that aren't necessarily based on right. movies and TV, which are short lived. Mm. And then the last thing to me that's changed is really the fact that the company has kind of lost sight of the uh, creative leadership and they've consistently, probably since the late 90s, put bean counters mm. in charge of Imagineering. And I know Marty had a lot of uh, issues with that over the years, but Tom Staggs, Bob Chapek, these guys mm. were overseeing Imagineering for years. I, I can't and, imagine. Uh, and then they announced today that Christine McCarthy um, they become a new CEO, and it's just the wrong path. I mean, yeah, Disney I should be run by if Steve Jobs was still alive, or somebody who's creative, you know, who right. who can understand experience and story and color and yeah. what people you know love. When, when JPEG said, running. now it's probably a month ago, how adults aren't into animation or they're too old for animated movies, and I was like, 
I I oh. I mean, if I want to feel good, I do two things: I watch The Little Mermaid or I watch Golden Girls. Those are my uh, <laughs> emotional support shows. So, yeah. no, you're never too old. So that I was like, I can't believe we have someone in charge. And of course, now look what happened. But who? believes that and I've always felt like you know going to Disney in the 90s and you could tell that Imagineers I got the sense as a little kid and I still feel now that they worked as if Walt was still down the hallway in his office mm -hmm. and I feel yeah. like that essence is kind of gone um, and maybe a lot of it is social media and the quick how do I become VP and this and I just working like Walt's there I feel like is not a thing anymore and that's just me being yeah. an outsider. No, I've heard stories of people who've gone back to Imagineering and have been had a very negative experience because they were told a lot of the younger people didn't want to hear the history and did not appreciate the stories and yeah. did not want to do what Walt would do. And um, yeah, so it's that, a shame. that's how I think things have yeah. changed. That's why yeah. I really recommend, you know, people look elsewhere. Mm. Uh, you know, maybe the pendulum will swing back and Disney will know. learn from mistakes, but mm. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what changed for you, Joe? Well, um, a lot, a lot. I, 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 of course, you, and you know this, right? I, I share all the same sentiments that that you do about, yeah, about you know the, the things, all the things that you mentioned. But I think um, not to be not not. We shouldn't be bashing mm -hmm. Disney so much because it is, it is an industry wide problem yeah the, the problem is there's not enough vi visionaries ryan yeah. mentioned a couple you know you met steve jobs walt disney i mean these were george lucas yeah. george these were these were men that had that were were driven by a big vision mm -hmm. Un and unfortunately and the reality is i mean that and it's you know as the song says money makes the mm -hmm. world go round and all these things, they're big corporations. You know, Disney is a big corporation. It has, it has to answer yeah. to Wall Street, yeah. you know? People want to but, see but, a return. No, but it investment. is a content company, whether it's movies, music, mm -hmm. video games, theme parks, and with no lead, creative leader who can see all that, and it's all about just the right. ROI. I, yeah. I think that's right. a huge mm -hmm. mistake. But, but, but yes, but my point was, I think, yeah, I think we're seeing this across so many industries. You know yeah. that, and I, I was reading an article in New York Times over over the weekend about you know how there's a lack of big movie stars because you know the um, the, the 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 franchises and the need to you know make sure you're going to get a return on your mm. investment become bigger than taking a chance on an original story yeah. or taking a chance yeah. on a new star, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Right. So you got to have the marketable star. You got to have the marketable IP, and so there, there's no, and unfortunately, you know, because, and but I'm, I'm, I'm glad when you know they're not as success, successful as Hollywood hopes it would mm. be, because maybe it gives them pause to stop and think that, you know, we do need visionaries. We need bigger thinkers. So right. I think yeah. both, both with, both with Disney and you know elsewhere in the industry. I would, I would hope, you know, there's going to, there's going to be some great, you know, hopefully somebody out there, the next Steve Jobs, the mm -hmm. next, um, I mean, John Lasseter, who I went to school with, he was a visionary. Yeah, he was. Know, and yeah. unfortunately, yeah. I, I think he, he just got a bad, 
he was in a bad situation, mm. but uh, he changed he changed the animation world. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah. He, the two Toy Story Gotta films go. really changed the whole the whole climate of how you know they the, the industry about anim animation. Um, yeah, but look what so, happens when you do take a risk. Netflix took a risk with this thing called. Stranger Things. It's oh, a retro. So good. Even yeah. though you know, I'm, I'm watching Wednesday, that's my new thing. Yeah, Wednesday Netflix. too. I just I yep. just finished Wednesday, but yeah. but they took a risk and it had yeah. no bankable stars. But now Millie Bobby Brown has become a star. I know because yeah. of that, you know. So I think they're the people who do takes take the risks will reap the rewards. Ultimately, mm. it's just it's sad to try to you know be scared. It's basically going through life afraid of failure right yeah taking the well it's it's interesting you bring that up ryan because you know i am out of the the three of us i know christy is a big like disney mm -hmm. history fan jesse is a big like animated film fan and and myself obviously if you can't tell i'm a, I'm a star wars fan but i will say <laughs> star wars. I, I know shocking <laughs> i got the indiana jones and star wars poster behind me and everything yeah. but i will say this in general, I'm a huge movie fan, and I've always been not just the movie fan who watches a film. I'm the guy who's on IMDb and looking up every single fun yeah. fact of every single part of that movie so that I'm at a bar randomly <laughs> one night spewing yeah, yeah, off yeah. some interesting fact about Forrest Gump <laughs> to the person next to me. And 90% of the time, they don't really want to listen yeah. to me. But the point I'm trying to make right. here is is like... Yeah, and now I got a podcast, so I can just like talk into the void. But but the point is, is that like you know, for me, some of my favorite all-time stories about filmmakers and films in general go hand in hand with what you were just talking about, Ryan, about people who truly, you know, take that mm -hmm. risk and are bold and just go for it. I mean, like George Lucas was told no to a new right. hope over twenty-five times. Right. And, and he still believed it was the right idea, which, believe it or not, Star Wars turned out to be a pretty good idea. Yeah. But yeah. the point is, is like, and then they James were Cameron. Remember mm. Disneyland, Walt had to, like, mortgage his own house because the banks yeah. wouldn't yeah. Yeah. give him money. Yeah. <laughs> and now and now we're seeing it with uh, with Avatar and in and, uh, and the way of water, which is coming out here in just 10 days. But yeah. James Great Cameron, reviews. Uh, mm. there's amazing reviews out of the premiere tonight but but mm -hmm. one of the things with James Cameron specifically is he literally mortgaged it all on Avatar for I mean he didn't make a film from Titanic mm -hmm. to Avatar he hadn't made a film and so many movie executives so many people thought he was absolutely nuts for that mm -hmm. idea yeah. a film that cost yeah. 400 million dollars there was one story that came out just a week ago of an executive who asked him to like cut the budget oh, in right. half and he yeah. basically told them to beep off yeah. the point is is that you know he just believed in yeah. it and now it's the highest grossing mm -hmm. film of all time and and yeah. i just fully believe that when you let a creative yes. who has the track record who's Ooh. shown you mm -hmm. that they can create these amazing things if you let them just play in that sandbox and truly work mm -hmm. good things are usually right, gonna happen right. yeah. I, I also it's like a fan too Go ahead. Sorry. Next no, I, I was going to say, I also think that I, when you look at the recent movies, and I, of course, I watch a lot of animated movies with the kids, but like they're into Frozen kind of came years back as a game changer because it brought musicals back into the picture. And I think mm -hmm. that there's they haven't been relying on the soundtracks. I think that they 
severely underestimated the Encanto soundtrack. Um, even Coco was amazing with the music and the yeah. visuals. And, you know, again, like I, to this day, I hear part of your world and those, those guys, I mean, you can't make that music anymore. And it just connects you to these stories. Right. So there's something to say about that, that like, I still get emotional hearing Ariel's voice and I'm 38 years old. So I get emotional watching the oh, movie. Gosh. I put on Disney when I'm sad and, and it cheers they, me right I, up. I it's great. I watched a documentary on, uh, <laughs> I believe it was Alan, um, it's on Disney make, Plus. Yeah. And how, Alan make it, I, and how, you're talking about Howard, right? Yes. Howard Ashman. Howard yes. Ashman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that, it, it was just crazy because as an adult, then that's what I love too. So Jared, you like look things up on IMDb. I like seeing like the stories after the fact or what was happening during those times. And I'm a kid seeing Little Mermaid and then now seeing what was going on, it just makes it so much more special. And uh, yeah. yeah, so getting back to those basics also, like that's the secret sauce right there. There's a reason why 90s Disney movies were the end all, you know? Yeah. Well, before before we uh, we go too off off the rails with with the <laughs> negatives here, I do I do want to get some some good sound bites out of Ryan and Joe here. So Jesse, real quick, what is your favorite like Disney animated film? Peter Pan. <gasps> oh yeah. Peter Pan. Okay. It's a great so, ride too. So in general, yeah. I mean, I the reason I asked Jesse is Jesse's like our uh, big animated Disney film buff, and yeah. and I we do have to ask Joe real quick because uh, you know. Based on what we've heard, you you got to go to school with some pretty mm. incredible all-time filmmakers: yeah. John Lasseter, Tim Burton. Tim Burton, Brad Bird. So, do you have any any cool stories that you can tell our listeners, or anything about those three specifically? Because I can tell you, I mean, those three are responsible for my childhood. For, I mean, <laughs> yeah. millions and millions and millions of people's having smiles yeah. come to their face to be yeah. frank yeah i mean nightmare before christmas and then oh. you were just talking about wednesday with netflix yep. like yep. tim burton and is everything both of those in between. yeah yeah brad bird brad bird is is huge and john lasseter is mm -hmm. huge so yeah. I, I, they're all just yeah. amazing so i'd love to hear a little bit about some of your memories with those three joe you know <laughs> i think um as i think i mentioned this earlier we were all a bunch of you know we were wet behind the ear kids who were fortunate enough to get into this program at CalArts. And we all, we all loved Disney, but we also, um, we loved what Disney stood for. You know, as I said earlier, this idea that, you know, you could, you could touch people emotionally with a story. Mm -hmm. um, but I got to say, you know, everybody also brought, I mean, you know, Tim loved science fiction and, you know, all those weird, you know, <laughs> B movies that he absolutely adored. He turned me on to a lot of them. Um, you know, Brad Bird was in theater and loved, you know, Broadway and acting. Um, you know, so the, there was also this broader interest that I think they brought to what they did. I think there's a danger in, and, and it's true, if you look back at the real innovations at Disney, they were all made by people that were, that were, didn't come from that, that, that I mean, all the great animated films, those guys were illustrators and designers, they weren't animators, they created the art form, same with the Imagineers. I mean, those guys came from, you know, they came from animation, they came from motion picture art direction. 
Um, and they brought all those different, you know, all that, the different ways of thinking and all those disciplines and then created something new out of it. Mm. Um, and I think that's partly what, what I saw in all those guys. You know, they, they loved Disney. I loved Disney. But we also had all these other interests and they brought those other interests to what they did. And out of that created something really new, fresh and original. Mm. That's so cool. Well, I mean, first of all, uh, thank God, thank God that Brad Bird gave us Edna Mode. Yeah. So let's just, let's just yeah. be grateful yeah. for that. But uh, I do, I do want to say we are getting towards the the end of this podcast. But I just, just to conclude here, um, I did want to, you know, hear both your guys' thoughts on on one final, final sort of question. I know Ryan, you said you first got into the this career before you could even go out and, and have a drink. But <laughs> yeah. uh, if you could go back in time, this is probably, I know the most basic question you'll hear, uh, but I always love to, to hear people's answers to this, um, especially creatives. But if you could go back in time to your 18 year old self, is there anything that you feel that you would have done differently? Um, or is there any major piece of advice you, you might give yourself? Yeah, I'll start with that. Um... A wise person once said to me, there's what you have and there's what you do with it. And I've started out, you know, becoming an Imagineer so young, I think it um, gave me a little bit of a chip on my shoulder mm. back then. And I was walking around college with the WDI jacket and they gave mm. us painters and, yeah. you know, everybody, like, oh my God, you're an Imagineer. And... It didn't hurt in the dating area. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so um, I think there was a point where I just kind of got a little full of myself to some degree mm. and copped a bit of an attitude and felt like, you know, I knew what I was doing, even though I hadn't really done a whole lot. And um, I think if I could go back in time, it would be to explain to myself that even though I might be a great writer or a great concept guy or whatever I am in my career and my talents and capabilities, you got to understand how to work with people mm. and uh, especially with difficult people because mm. one of the main reasons I'm no longer an Imagineer is because I did not get along with the manager of the writing department that they put me in and um, we just... I had no respect for him and he didn't like what I was doing. And when he had the opportunity to let two people go, mm. I was one of the two that day. And I think if I'd learned at that earlier stage how to play politics a little better, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'd be, I, I might, I don't know if I'd want to still be there, but I think there's <laughs> been a number of issues in my life, in my career where I've gotten myself in trouble just by my tone or attitude or the way people perceive me and that even happens you know with joe and stuff at zeitgeist and i always mean well and want the best for everything mm -hmm. but sometimes it comes out wrong or we're using texting or email which <laughs> is not a good communication device mm -hmm. and uh so that that's my main life lesson that i would go back and tell myself is to learn more about being making sure you, that people are understanding you the way you want to be understood right maybe be nicer, be kinder, don't have a chip on your shoulder and, um, you know, understand that you might be the best in the world, but if people don't want to work with you mm -hmm. because you're a jerk, then 
It doesn't matter how good you are. And that, and that does work the opposite way too. In this industry, yeah. I'm yes, shocked it does. by people who are not very good at what they do, but they're a lot of fun to be around yeah. and they get jobs just because people want them around. Right. Um, and I'm like, but he sucks. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but people have a good time. So yeah. that, that's a, yeah. a lesson I would go back and tell myself. Joe, what about yourself? My 18-year-old mm-hmm. self, well, there'd be a lot of things. Um, I think um, the main thing would be to trust the process mm-hmm. more and not to worry so much. Um, you know, the process, and as I, both Ryan and I have talked about, you know, there's a very complicated process to, to building theme parks and with a lot of moving parts and a lot of different people. And if you try to control it too much, mm-hmm. it will make you crazy and you'll lose nights of sleep. So um, I would have told, I would tell myself to, because I finally learned it mm-hmm. later on. In fact, towards the end of my career, I really, in fact, I probably couldn't have gotten done all I got done, especially towards the end when I was, at, at one point I was working on the parks in Japan, the parks in Hong Kong and doing the cruise ships. And it really was about letting go and trusting the process mm-hmm. and trusting the people around you, which is kind kind of hard to do if you do have a vision and if you are kind of a bit of a control person, which I think, you know, to be good as a leader, you have yeah. to have a certain right. level of control and strength, yeah. which often at Disney that would get you in trouble. I was once told by an executive I was too passionate, which is crazy yeah. because I, it's passion that drives artists and drives the process. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, just learning, er, learning earlier on to not to worry, you know, that in the end, and when I think back at all the things I worried about, in most cases I was worrying needlessly because the whole process kind of found its way in the end, you know. And I think mm-hmm. just by trusting mm-hmm. the process, that would be my advice to the young people, yeah. you know, trust the process. And Joe, I yeah. saw this funny pie chart the other day. So it was a circle, which is a hundred percent, and it said things I worry about, and that was like. Eighty-five yeah. percent, and then uh, things that actually happened that I worried about, and it was like two percent. There you go, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Always, perfect. Yeah. that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, anxiety, anxiety will certainly do that. No, but we like Joe said, person. when when you're a creative person, if you birthed this baby, so to speak. You want to be yeah. protective, you know, oh, you can't change the color. Oh, we're not changing the name. Like, you know, I worked hard on this and and we've right. had to learn. Joe and I just did some three awesome uh, walkthrough attractions for Hershey Park. And we worked hard on the story and all the nuances of the characters and gave them great names. Mm. And the first thing the client did was like, change the names to the most simple thing in the world. And, <laughs> I was offended. It's like, of course, dare yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. And then we find out they eliminated the characters from one of the mazes, and it's oh like that was the whole point of the story. <laughs> oh no! Right, right. Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, you both just gave some some really amazing answers, and you both were amazing guests on the podcast. Thank and, you. Uh, before we conclude this this episode, I, we did want to always mention, as as we always do, that this episode was uh, sponsored by Mickey Travels, and Mickey Travels is a nationally recognized leader in Disney vacation planning. Oh. They're a platinum earmarked by Disney, and their services are always one hundred percent free. So, if you do need help planning your Disney vacation, please reach out to Mickey Travels today to get a free quote on your Disney vacation. 
That's MakeyTravels.com, making magic one vacation at a time. So you can uh, you can plan those trips to six different parks around the globe, like Ryan, yeah, Ryan and his kids get to go. <laughs> on land and sea. On land and sea. Start but saving before now. <laughs> start saving now. Right? That's, that's the real advice that Ryan's trying oh, to give our listeners. The, the, but, ki- the kicker is when you save and then your kids don't eat all their meal and you're trying to eat their meal. But uh, yeah. also, uh, yeah. you know, before we fully wrap up, we do have to ask where can our listeners uh, find some of your guys' work and, and uh, see more about what you guys are doing. I know you guys have mentioned uh, Zeitgeist and, and the company and everything, but I'd love to, we'd just love to, to hear a little bit more about that before before we conclude. Yeah, we encourage everybody to go to zeitgeist-usa.com, Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T. That in German means the spirit of the time, which is the name of our monthly Zoomcast, which you can also find on that site under the Zoomcast link. And there are currently 18 episodes, soon to be 19 in four days. Uh, where we interview people. we Joe and I have an office themed like a time travel emporium, and we invite industry icons aboard our time machine and transport them back in time to kind of follow their career paths and wow. uh, and, un, and discover the answer to the burning eternal question, what <laughs> makes a guest experience timely yet timeless? So... You're curious mm. about other people's careers and uh, there are some yeah. great stories about like how World Showcase and, and um, Future World came together to create Epcot and, uh, you know, all that go to uh, zeitgeist-usa.com. That's so cool. That's awesome. I can't wait yeah, to listen definitely. to that. That's yeah. awesome. I know. Yeah, check it out. We, you'll also see our portfolio of work and all of Joe's great projects and meet some of our other team members and... Uh, it's uh it's pretty cool yeah well thank you so, jared thank you jessica thank you christy thank you thank ryan you. Thank you. yeah thank you thank guys you. It's been it was fun yeah and joe uh we do have to ask so because brad bird got to voice edna mode do you have like an animated <laughs> character in the works because no know, but i'd love to hear that i know but i'm actually in a couple disney attractions you know <laughs> really? which are there's there's hidden. Yes. Yeah. I'm in I'm in, um, yeah. in the Roger Rabbit cartoon spin. There's a, there's a, a giant cartoon clown coming out of a, a, a Jack in the Box, and that's me. Oh uh, my god! And I'm also in Mystic Manor. I'm one of the members oh. of the uh, Society of Explorers and Adventurers. So yep. my my mug is is in there. Yeah. See, I, this is why I like these little bonus questions. Yes, I'll, I'll just randomly throw yeah. in. Forget hidden the, Mickey. Is it about hidden Joe? Yeah, yes. I know. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yep. Well, this episode has been amazing. Thank you both so yeah. much for yes. joining uh, the Mickey Blog Podcast. Yeah. We truly uh, appreciate both of your guys' viewpoints. I think it's been extremely enlightening to, to young people who have an interest in becoming an Imagineer, to people who just want to learn about Imagineering in general, mm-hmm. um, so, learn so much about Joe and even his background in animation and, and Ryan and his perspective from, from so many different things. So thank you both so much, uh, Christy and yeah, Jesse. Thank you. Do you have, uh, any parting remarks before we before we conclude? Um, well, I, I know we were saying thank you, but um, both of you probably had a big part of my childhood experience at the park. So thank you. And uh, I continue bringing my kids. And I, I hope Imagineering gets back to where it's glory days. I think days we where. all do. You know what? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I just I want to make sure you understand. We're not we're not saying bad things about imaginary. We're not talking, no, no, we're no. lamenting it. It's it's yeah, changed. We're, we're for more sure. sad where it went and hopeful yeah. that it will rise again. And I think every Disney person, you know, they're sad about seeing, change yeah. a little bit. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to say thank you guys as well. And now I'm going to go to Disneyland and look for Hidden Joes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not that hard to find. We're going to be on a mission to search I know. for Hidden yeah. Joes. Oh, I will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, never going to be able to go on Mystic Manor the same way again. Nope. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you both so Alrighty. much. And if you guys would like thank to check all. out more of our content, of course, feel free to head over to mickeyblog.com where we report and all things Disney from not just the parks, but the cruise line, the movies, and everything in between. Uh, mm -hmm. We are all about adding some more magic to your guys' lives. So uh, please check us out. And if you'd like to follow us on any other platform, feel free to check us out on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and all those other fun social media platforms. And if you like this podcast, <laughs> leave us a good rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and have a magical rest of your day. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs>